Mama's memories. Rough fingers, strong and steadfast, weaving secrets of the ancestors into her daughter's long braids. Secret knowledge smuggled into new lands. Names of her old friends whispered into bones where they vibrate. She'll never forget them, playing games on golden soil, running through the rye, sleeping under the stars. Old rhythms and bullying resting on our lips, folk dances and vida still resting on our hips. Bleeding from the heart, flood in the lungs, pushing at the ribcage, waiting, ready to burst out. These days are so far away now, she says. Talk to me, daughter. Help me remember them. Jaspreet Kerr. Oh, there's something so emotional about that poem. It's so evocative. Um, read uh, by the the wonderful... Oh, Christy Mack. There, and um, this is Jim McNeish. Um, I just, I love that. Um, Kirsty and I did an experiment um, a couple of weeks ago, and, and the, the fact that you're emotionally moved by this is really good because we did a, an experiential exercise where we wanted to engage with the emotions. Yeah. Um, and we did it live in front of a, a large Zoom audience. It was raw and unrehearsed. And both of us had hangovers afterwards. And uh, we've decided that we would quite like to do it again. Um, we did. And so, <laughs> so before we do that, before we explain to you a new model that we'd want to do, and one, and wait for it, that would involve three more of you out there listening. So we would love some volunteers. Um, I'd just like to say to Kirsty, you know, we did the change exercise mm -hmm. and it was about the different experiences that you have at different nodes of the change and, and, and it was emotional. Mm -hmm. But how was it for you? What did you experience during then? What, what do you remember from it? I remember nothing, um, which is really interesting because I was speaking to someone and they said, oh my goodness, when you said this, when you said this, and I said, mm, no. Um, I had a full vulnerability hangover the next day. So yeah, I hear you. Because people, I've had so many emails and messages going, I've never heard you like that. I've never, you were, like, <laughs> Billy was like, I wanted to come through and give you a hug. Like, you were emotional. <laughs> um, I said, that would have been nice. Um, so people have said, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm great. Some people have said I couldn't listen to it because it was emotional and it was raw. Um, I suppose I decided let's go there. Um, and I now feel, I'm very glad that we did it. Um, I'm glad that it's opened up some really different conversations. Um, I think people were surprised by the vulnerability and thought we would just kind of go through something and kind of whack out a model and, and go for it. And I, I'm pleased that we did it the way that we did it. And I feel, for me in the personal thing for it was about wisdom and creativity and i um i'm on it mm. i'm on it and i feel the i feel more peaceful yeah i feel more peaceful and have more access to the wisdom yeah what do you ever find you? that yeah do, do you never find that like there was a bit during it where you almost became a little bit i'm speaking about both of us here debased yeah. like you were debased yeah. you were like you had to look into your kind of less than proud yeah. motivations and some of that bit. And, and so some of your magic, some of their, what you'd want to present as, yeah. this, this is what I can do for people, had to somehow get 
rubbed in the mud a little bit as you looked at its some of its negative motivations and some of those things like that's the bit that was hard I found yeah and I think that whilst I would have struggled with that on a one-to-one we then had <laughs> <laughs> like all these faces looking at us going oh we don't hear them like this this isn't <laughs> There's no giggles here. And exactly. this is interesting. Yeah, you just saw the popcorn going up to the mouth, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, there was just that, oh, hello. <laughs> I got one message from someone that said, oh, you guys are human. That's <laughs> just right. like, yeah. very, very. It made the difference, um, yeah. Yeah, so, I, so yes, I, I, I 100%. What about you? What else? What else for you? Well, I just felt my arrogance was exposed. You know, like, so you start stumbling into a conversation and sort of three open questions later, it's like, well, the actual reason why partnership has never been a great success for you, Jim, is your arrogance around always having to be the, the smart one, the heroic, the knowledge giver, the the context provider. And um, just to rest in my own inadequacy for a while so that people can actually contribute to my life. And I think being coached by you in that was actually a really great metaphor, a great fractal element of somebody else taking you to a place you can't get to on your own. And so I think I was I was left with that. I don't think I ended up looking good uh, in any sense of the word, but I um, I certainly felt the benefit of, oh, here's a reflection if this is how you show up in terms of why it's been hard. Um, so yeah, I, I, I had some great learning from that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so what is it we're asking we people to do? Yeah. Decided to do it again. <laughs> now that we've just said, yes, we didn't look good. And yes, we were vulnerable. Yeah. And yes, our heart was broken. So we're yeah. going to do it again on the 6th of July. Um, so we thought, do you know what? I think it was the word experiment. When we were talking about it afterwards, we were like, oh, that, because it was an experiment. We were kind it of was, pioneering yeah. into that. And it was, you know, for a podcast, it was something a bit different. Um, and so, as you said, we want to involve three other people this time. And we're going to go archetypes. We're very excited. Um, <laughs> so it can't, we're going to involve anyone who listens to the podcast, um, anyone who connects with us on LinkedIn or whatever. And we're going to engage the archetypes. I just so we have done this um, hundreds of times yeah. and it is a replication of a ritual that we have done in these pro- in programs. But, you know, yes, hundreds of times, but according to, to Margaret, to make weekly, it's run millions of times in Indigenous tribes the world over. So we're, we're going to explain the exercise to you so that you can say, I'm in. Um, and then we will pull out of a hat. Um, but we thought we would do a recap of the main archetypes first because it involves having more of a depth of knowledge of them, I think. Yeah, yeah. and whoever the three are that decide that they want to play with us, because if you think about it, maybe even four, Kirsty, it might be like whoever's been in the middle wants a break, you know, but basically yeah. we'll explain the exercise and the five people and how they speak to each other, but um, yeah, let's let's ex- explain the archetype, but whoever decides to kind of do it with us, they'll just join in and they'll, they'll yeah. play that. And, and it, this is probably one of the most popular things we run. It, it runs itself. It's not as complicated as people think. Once you get it, mm. it really makes sense. But we'll start by explaining a little bit about the archetypes. Um, I'll take one if you take one after me, and then I'll okay. start with the king or the queen. So a king or a queen archetype in your life is somebody that provides some kind of authority. The one whose approval we look for. Uh, we look for advice from them. We want boundaries. We respect them. We, we take their advice. They don't often speak to us, and certainly not very directively. 
Um, and that's because one of their main functions is to call leadership out of us. The king of the queen archetype, like a good boss or a great mentor or some of these characters, they want to pull that leadership out of you. So therefore, they're not going to do a lot of direction. It can be frustrating, but they will keep you on track and, and you will seek their approval. They command respect because they've walked the ground before you usually. Um, or they've led us in a way that made a real difference to our lives. We admire them and we admire their character. In their absence, we feel purposeless. Now, I'm finding this with a lot of senior clients now. And, and so two things. One, much more egalitarian society, much more equal, far less hierarchy. And two, a lot of my clients now are the CEO or the chair of their company. And so they're finding it hard to get to that person they looked up to, even like their mums or dads who provided it for them at one point are no longer able to understand the pressures of their job or the nature of what they're doing. Mm. And so I know that there's a yearning for this. Um, therefore, it becomes meaningless in terms of what am I doing? I'm setting all the context. I'm the one that's making up the meaning. And they start to walk a little bit more mechanically through their life, lose their spark, maybe get a bit more cynical. And as well as there being the environmental, cultural reasons for why people don't have these folks in their lives, there's a, a, a reason that runs through all the archetypes why people will jettison them from their lives, and that is that they've hit the shadow version of that archetype. At some point, they experienced the shadow version of the king of the queen, which was the tyrant or the despot. Could have been a parent, might have been a school teacher, might have been a bully but it was somebody who despised their innocence, somebody who didn't cherish it or develop it or grow it, somebody who despised it and used it and vented harshly and controlled or exploited the individual. Um, and so that's another reason why they don't have them. I've um, always had a really good king or a queen in my life, really up until this point. I don't really have mm -hmm. somebody in that role at the moment. Um, and, and maybe that's because of my age. Maybe that's because of, kind of where I'm at in life. Uh, like I've been saying about some of these people I've been coaching, but I, I guess one of the main examples was a man called Richard Rohr. And Richard Rohr's an author and a priest. And I remember spending a long weekend out in Albuquerque and he offered me bits of mentoring while I was there and support. And he really had a profound impact in helping me move to a bit more second tier thinking with regards to my faith. A lot of kind of faith-based activity is in the blue first-tier thinking. And, and I guess I felt like you had to buy into that in order to have integrity in it. And it was really Richard that, that said to me, why? And we explored a whole fear I had of death as a child and um, existential angst I had at the age of eight, nine, ten-year-old. And, and then why it was important for me to have a lot of these eternal things nailed down and clear. And he was like, yeah, but you're not that age anymore and you've got lovely thinking ability. Why don't you employ it now with your faith? God certainly isn't scared of your honesty, Jim. And um, it made all the difference. It was so wonderful. And I remember just waking up after our coaching session, our walk, kind of born again again. You know, and that idea of actually I get to fully be me. I don't have to commit intellectual suicide every time I want to listen to a a preach or something else going on. I don't have to limit myself. In fact, spirituality should be the opposite. And it opened me right up in a, in a huge way. And he just played that king role with me so wonderfully. So that's the king or the queen. And then we have um, the friend or often called the lover. 
And this is the sort of more intimate figure in our lives. So they can be, could be a sibling, could be a best friend, could be in a work context, a teammate, um, could be a partner. Um, and they just, they're just relaxation. They bring us pleasure. They bring us a relaxation. And we can be unashamedly ourselves around people like this. They, have, they laugh at naughty things. They gossip, they joke around, and they just share experiences. Um, they have no requirement of us. They just want us to be ourselves. You know, they just, there is no pressure to improve or for us to sharpen up or toe the line. It's just come along and be yourself and let's talk rubbish. Um, and they empathize with our genuine state and you know, they do the emotional roller coaster with us. We've all drawn on those people through this lockdown situation that we found ourselves in. Now, we know when they're absent because we, as leaders, can feel lonely and isolated. Life's a bit grey. It's lacking texture. It's lacking... In fact, we're over-focused. We're over-focused. We're serious. We're concentrating on the goals, we're concentrating on the work, we're concentrating on purpose. You know, conversations feel like empty vessels and we just take less time to feel present, to feel grounded because there's that aliveness that comes through when we are surrounded with this archetype. And other, when we're missing, other people start to experience us as slightly insensitive. I say slightly because when I do this, I'm, I, I go whole hog. Um, and it just becomes increasingly reptilian. And we lose our sense of everyday reality and what it is like to be human. And I think that's because sometimes the sting that we've seen from this archetype we might have experienced in our life. And I can even think about times in primary school and uh, especially like secondary school, this, this archetype, the dark side of it in terms of addiction. So, you know, the shadow forms inveigled in us in their charm, their humour and their non-productiveness. We become hooked on the pastimes or substances that we shared with them and they, they start to control us. Yeah, they start mm. to bring us down and they, do, they don't actually like us being strong. And so that's why they tempt us into time wasting or, you know, anything that's a distraction, anything that definitely erodes our character. And then eventually what they do is they, they blunt our edge and we lost our ability to change things. And we've had that, I definitely can even think about from school, some certain tribes that I wanted to be part of because I thought they were the cool gang. But yes. actually my difference was being eroded in that situation. And um, I think for me, I have, there's, there's a lot of people that I have within this. My brother actually plays this as a friend in like a really good way because his sense of humor is so wrong um that <laughs> i just love it and there's times that i just love the conversation that i have with my brother that is just so freewheeling and there's just an innate understanding that we know it's going to cause one of us to laugh and there's just brilliant i remember when i was out with him in new zealand last year and it was just in a camper van, just having fun and just loved it. And I've got a few friends that, you know, like Victoria, Elena, that like I am crying with laughter. <laughs> you know, when you're le like Billy Conley says, the legs go from under you because you just yes. you laugh from the toes up and you just, there are times I can even remember like just on the ground, just laughing so much. And there's just, 
an aliveness that comes through in that. And so I love that feeling of fun and spontaneity um, and being right there where you are, being where your feet are. Great. Great. So, and the opposite side of the circle to that is the warrior or the challenger. Mm. And this archetype plays a sharpening role in your life. So um, around your board table, when you've put your collective group, your own personal board table, this is the one that points the finger. This is the one who doesn't accept all your behavior, that doesn't laugh at all your cuteness. Could be a functional colleague at work that just thinks you could do a bit better. Um, but it's somebody that just stands for your improvement. So they'll point out your rackets. They'll challenge your laziness. Um, it, but equally, if we collapse, they stand us back up again and they make us face in the conversations that we want to avoid. They are for us. Now, this type is for us, mm -hmm. but they require us to be our best self. Um, in their absence, like when we don't have these, when we've decided, no, I'm, I'm above challenge. And this can happen when you become more powerful and you get more of those or privileged and you get more of those kind of spaces. You can actually start to block these voices out and say, no, nah, I don't want it. But what happens is your character starts to become a bit more flaccid, um, collapse a little bit easier into lethargy, sense of ambient anxiety because you're not facing into things. We let ourselves off the hook with some of our worst behavior or some of our challenges to our own values. Um, we deny our rackets. Um, we don't do the hard work. We don't take ground. We indulge in those time-wasting habits. You know, we go off with our friends mm -hmm. that do that to us, mm -hmm. you know, like the shadow side of the friend thing. Um, resort to childish games, avoiding strategies. And our main decision-making criteria becomes our own apathy. What's the easier route? What's the more efficient route? Because that leaves you room to then do what with your life television or you know something else that's just kind of time consuming so that the warrior basically will face you down and say this isn't your best self that isn't the maximum you could do stop whinging get up get after it and um, people avoid it because they came across its shadow brother which was the sadist and um this was the person who hurt and bullied them in a way that left scars and they despised our weaknesses and continually taunted us in a way that destroyed hope. I remember a friend of mine at school having this. Um, she had a, a sadist bully um, in two or three years above her. And, and she, this, this girl would just lay on her, would just really diminish her. And, and this girl was such um, a, a dignified, intelligent girl, you know, but this one area of her life was really, really brutalized by her. And I remember how distant she became when she got her career. She removed herself from any form of challenge and became increasingly isolated. And I, and I always think back as I wonder if it was because of the, the sadist that she met in the shape of this older girl that really hurt her at school. Their words are harsh, calculated to wound rather than improve. And being around them frightens us, it weakens us further because of the compulsive abuse. So if we've experienced that, we might not want a warrior figure in our life, and yet they are so valuable. They are so refreshing, and they can be so funny at the right time. So I remember being down in um, the a big estate in England, and I was teaching this archetypal model, and we did that exercise that we're going to explain to people. And so basically, four other people play your archetypal models. And it was the first Mother's Day after my mum had died. 
So it would be 2011. I was a little bit raw and, um, and uh, I was trying to avoid it. And so whoever was playing the king or the queen of my life just was giving me permission to be how I needed to be during this time. And I was like, you know, I don't want to hear it. And then the person who was the lover or the friend took a hold of my arm and said, yeah, I can feel the pain. And I can, feel, I was like, oh, you know, <laughs> I was like, I'm hating this. I don't want to be doing this just now. And then thankfully my friend, Anastasia, was the warrior on the left hand side and she kind of kicked my chair a little bit and she went you should get a bike you're getting fat <laughs> oh Anastasia you genius you genius and I roared with laughter and it, and it gave a great vent to the tears and laughter as well and she was also right I was getting fat I could use a bike and um it was just beautifully timed. And I know that there are times when I'm coaching someone and I've switched into warrior mode with them and I've watched the sense of refreshment and enjoyment they've got of me being in that state rather than some kind of cloying, kind of gripping um, person who's just kind of basically milking them for kind of emotional heart. It's like suddenly the warrior comes in with this lovely, sharp, incisive voice that usually has humor in it if the timing's good and actually can really provoke you into a different way of thinking genius mm. and then we have uh, the magician and the teacher and the wizard and that you know centuries ago the magician was a nomad and what they would do they would you know they travel from town to town and um they would live their lives in the one town and most people would. So most people would be in one town, knew the culture, knew what was going on. The nomad would come along and, and would give them sound advice. And they were like, where did you think of such a thing? And they're just <laughs> like, from the last town, it's just <laughs> the same stuff happening. Um, so they'd experienced other cultures, you know, they, they had these unique insights and they were able to give you these worldly wise life hacks, these insightful and sometimes otherworldly thought processes. Um, and so the magician archetype brings a reframe, uh, an alternative approach an unseen truth, an unconventional worldview. Um, I, I definitely feel when this is missing. It feels small-minded. It feels more insular. Um, I can see myself in patterns. It's like, oh, I'm doing this again. Repeating problems. We get parochial. We run in smaller circles. Our potential is capped. We become frustrated with the smallness of our lives. Um, we, you know, adventures pass us by, journeys remain untaken. We're just like, yeah, I'm all right. And, and so it kind of feels like this cul-de-sac we become into. It becomes that it's hard to find a way out. Um, and again, there's the dark side. There's the, where we may have experienced before, the shadow archetype, which is the manipulator. Mm-hmm their thought process, their reframe, they can despise ignorance. They're blind, you know, they've blinded us with false logic and twisted intelligence and they're like, they can lie. And, you know, they, they bend us to their will. This is how you want to do it. And, you know, not belonging to any village or authority, the manipulator was unaccountable. 
can act out of their own perverted drives. <laughs> you know, they use their insights or magic for, for them, for their evil, for their own egotistical needs. And we've, you know, we may have had that experience with someone in our life. The charlatan, isn't it? It's the charlatan, the, the, the snake oil salesman. It's, yeah. it's those folks. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we realized how silly was it back then? I'm not going there again. They've become cynical. Yeah. And um, I think for me, I get a lot of this through reading and listening into podcasts. And, and I get a lot of other thought process. So just now it's been an incredible personal development time. I've been learning a lot about exponential organizations, finding out the business world and looking at things from a different perspective. Um, I'll tune in to, if I need a little bit more magic, I won't go to Albuquerque, but I will tune into Another Name for Everything by Richard Rohr. Um, I'll tune mm. into that podcast and hear his beautiful voice and the brilliance yeah. of the man that he is. Um, I will listen into a podcast, you know, The Magic of the Mystics. I will listen into just something that's very different to the world that I'm operated in, operating in. Billy always knows when I've had that experience. Like, so Billy, I was listening to this thing and it's really amazing and this is what happens. It's really cool. Isn't that amazing? And he's like, uh-huh. Um, but it's, I feel alive when I've got that different different view. And so that's that's the four. That's the four archetypes. The four archetypes. And thanks, Kirsty. The, the thing we're going to do is um, ask you to join in an exercise that we run with this. So... I have run this exercise more times than I can ever count. Um, we run it on our Logos program. And it's simply this. Um, you have one person who is the subject. And the subject sits in the middle of the circle. And they say, here is what I am transitioning into. Here's what's changing in me. Or here is a challenge I am facing that feels quite important. So they explain the subject matter and then sit opposite them. So they've got somebody at each of the four poles and mm -hmm. sitting exactly opposite them is the king of the queen archetype. And whoever's playing the, the king of the queen archetype speaks to them about the king of the queen things, you know, so they use king or queen language, they use that stuff and they speak into the person's life from that angle. The person stops, listens, and then the friend or the lover goes next. The friend or the lover is always on their left-hand side. They then speak in their archetypal message. Person hears that. Then we have the warrior on the right-hand side. And they speak in. And then finally, we have the magician behind them. And they speak in. And so you have these four pieces of archetypal impact. The people playing the roles stick within the roles. They stick to the messages that they're meant to bring. And then the person weighs everything up and says what they're going to do. The real trick of this exercise is that you speak in sentences rather than paragraphs. It can be quite tempting that when you start speaking from your type, you just keep going and going to try and find the language. It's far better that you take a big gap of 20 seconds or 30 seconds and, 30 seconds and collect yourself and then give the person three or four core sentences, things that you really want them to hear. And then it's back to the person again who says, right, having heard all that, I will finally speak about here is what I am going to do. And so we're inviting three, maybe four other people, because it, sometimes it's good to have somebody sit out mm -hmm. to join us for a live podcast where we do that exercise 
Each of us in turn will be the subject and each of us in turn will be each of the other archetypes that speak in. And rather than just explain the model as Kirsty and I have done, we're actually going to show you it live and it is terrific, absolutely terrific. I'm so excited. And it's not about play acting, you know, it's not, you don't have to wear a crown. You know, it's just, <laughs> come with a sword. Dungeons and dragons, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, I had somebody pull swords off the wall up at Cantle, though, and I had to say, I, yeah, they were like, they're playing the role and some, you don't have to hammer up, like you speak in your own voice, you know, just do things, but no, they wanted to have swords in their hands and all sorts. So, yeah, yeah. So no need for a crown, no need for a sword. Um, <laughs> There is something unbelievably powerful about doing this. And having done it so many times, I still get flabbergasted mm. um, and enjoy it. And so in terms of, there's some phrases. So if we think about, you know, the king or queen is about offering permission. It's about giving boundaries. Um, they, we, they may mention reward. Then there's about, it's about encouragement. So they might use words like proud, vision develop principles, leadership, authority, achievement, purpose. These are the sort of words that we'd hear with someone with our archetype. The friend of the lover, they tell them how they can actually stay the same. So the friend of the lover doesn't actually require them to change. They're saying, you're going through this transition. Here's all the stuff I think should stay the same. What's good about it? They offer emotional support and comfort. There could be a bit more humor or fun or connectivity with it, but that's the words you would hear. Emotion, relaxation, enjoyment, expression, sharing, supporting, affection. Those are the type of things and messages that would come from the friend or lover archetype. And the warrior or challenger, um, they, they're the flip side. And they talk about where the person needs to challenge themselves. You know, avoid, how do they avoid laziness? How do they avoid rackets? So they may also speak about where the person needs to challenge others. Yeah, so the challenge can come both ways. So words that they might use are effort, hard work, lazy, courage, will, confront, adventure, and risk. And these are the words that you would hear from a warrior. Magician and teacher. Sometimes this is the one hardest for people to understand, but all I would say is, listen to what Kirsty was saying about where she goes for her magician archetype. She hits the podcasts and, and uh, the videos and various things. Uh, this could be, if you're speaking from the magician um, archetype, what's been your latest learning? What are you vibing on right now? What's new for you that feels like something that would be a great reframe for the person? And that's really what you're trying to do is bring a reframe, a story, a theory or a philosophy that provokes different thinking. So they would speak about consciousness, perception, enlightenment, reframes, expansion, noticing truth, theory and growth. It would be weighty subjects, but it would be ones that were wrapped up in some kind of a, a story or a, a theory that would allow the person to engage with their issue in a different way. And so a formal invitation. Um, <laughs> so this is what we want you to do. We, we want to run this exercise live. We're going to do it on Zoom because that's where we meet these days, people. Um, and we're going to do it on the 6th of July, 7.30 UK time. So that might get some people across the water and over the water. So next Monday, depending on when you're listening to this, but it would be the 6th of July. Um, but we need, as Jim says, we need either three, four, five other people. Um, and will each of us in turn uh, be the subject Let's bring a significant change. And so it's not like how Jim and I did the change one. It's not as exposing. It's not as vulnerable. You're just saying, here's my That's challenge. Right. Boom, done. 
and then you listen to the different voices. Um, so bring a significant change you're working on, maybe some shadow you're dealing with, significant transition you want to discuss. Um, so after we've shared our topic, we hear from the king or queen, then we hear from the friend, then we hear from the warrior, and then the magician. So, and then once we've heard from each of these archetypes, we'll answer two questions. Which of those archetypal voices is missing from your life and why? And what am I going to do now with the next stage of my transition or my challenge? Um, so we want to get you involved. We've got no idea how we're going to set the chairs on a Zoom call, but do you know what? We'll find a way. Um, so if you're listening to our podcast, we will um, welcome you to become a part of this. Drop us an email, um, office at niche.co. Um, and we'll pull the first three names out of a hat. Um, I have a visual of Jim McNeish and a huge top hat. I don't know why, but I feel like of <laughs> anyone I know, he's the man with a top hat. Um, and so we'll bring those people around on the live show. Let us know if you can by Thursday, the 2nd of July, so that we can decide that night, email the three participants, and we can give you some little instructions. Um, basically, just a recap of what we've talked about here. We would love for you to be involved. I think it's going to be a really cool experiment. Um, getting amongst it. When the dumb hour, clothed in black, brings the dreams about my bed, call me not so often back, silent voices of the dead, toward the lowland ways behind me and the sunlight that is gone. Call me rather, silent voices, forward to the starry track, glimmering up the heights beyond me, on and always on. Alfred Lord Tennyson. <laughs>